Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Goodbye Fire Island. David Anthony. That's me. The year is 2002. Mm-hmm. You're 12 years old. Correct. Your face is full of acne. Incorrect. You're ugly. Perfect skin. And, uh, well, you, you got to start wearing deodorant now, buddy. Mm. Uh, now, I know you're a big fan of punk rock music and your your favorite band, the Alkaline Trio. Yes. Um. And I know that you still like that Blink-182 band. Like, mm-hmm. hey, maybe they're a little bit too famous and poppy for you. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to give you a little vision into the future. Okay. I'm curious. 16 years from now, Blink-182 is going to consist of Mark Hoppus. Mm-hmm. Yes. Travis Barker. Mm-hmm. And Matt Skiba. Did did Tom die? His sanity? We're not too sure of. But now it's Matt Skiba. Okay. He just plays Tom's parts and sings. Interesting. And but do they like make new music? Mm, that's a that's a story for a different day. Fair. Now these three are going to go to a music festival on an island and is it the warp tour it's like the warp tour but for douchebags so the warp tour and there's gonna be all of these models and they're going to take pictures with their phones interesting just roll with it all right okay and they're gonna promote this music festival and it's going to be on an island mm-hmm. and it's going to be insane it's basically going to be the most luxurious weekend of your entire life and there's going to be all sorts of musical acts for you to enjoy jaw rules going to be there interesting but here's the thing matt skiba of blink 182 uh-huh is going to see that this yuppie train wreck is far worse than anybody could possibly imagine what happens he writes a song about it for the alkaline trio of which he's still a part this is this is like that movie inception that i haven't seen yet. what's in the box wow here's the thing though it's actually pretty good you know, having not heard any of the other songs in that 16 years, yeah, pretty good. To an extent, you could just skip ahead to present. <laughs> All right. Yeah. David, you're you're here. You're an adult. Yes. You, s- you still should start wearing deodorant. No. But how you doing? I'm okay, Tim. Well, welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. I like that intro. I like that uh, scene setting. 
what an interesting little song we have to talk about today. I'm so thankful for it. I kind of am. I kind of like this song, even though there's parts of it that are glaringly not together. Yeah. <laughs> I think that um, I think that on its surface, it's a pretty good song that is later in the album for a reason. Yeah. And it just kind of just gets us along to where we're going. Um, and although I think this record's a little bit too long, this isn't yes. a song that I would cut. Same. I think this is a song that I kind of like the slower, more mid-tempo shift on it. I think it's strange in that like there's a lot of parts in it. Yeah. When I diagram an Alkaline Trio song in my brain, I can usually be like, oh, there's three things happening. Maybe like a 3A or 3B. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different peaks and valleys happening here in a way that I've not seen in a long, long time from them. I think that that's, is this thing cursed as a record? I think that one of the greatest things about having this coming into our lives and having a long-standing complaint with how lazy this band felt, there is so much thought that's put into this, and there are so many different parts that are happening here that could just be one part, two part, three part, or yeah. out. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too how the verses are kind of uh, a little more bare mm-hmm. with uh, in terms of like their typical instrumentation. There's a little bit of like the sound effecty synthy thing kind of happening in the back, which I actually don't mind. I actually think it's a nice little texture. I I don't either, and I think that the the songwriting that goes into it and the thought that comes in it's it's one of those things that allows you to be accepting of mm-hmm. something that maybe on surface you wouldn't agree with uh necessarily but it adds it's a yeah. good addition yeah i think skiba's vocals there are a little heavy-handed he's, mm-hmm. he's trying hard to be like ominous narrator in, in the verses at least yeah you know, it's like okay okay we get it uh, I didn't know Masquebo was the guy from Suicide. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he wishes. Um, but the chorus, while not being super strong, I think has this constant, like, it, you almost see every measure in it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily flow, but they're kind of like, kind of comes in and builds and builds and builds, which I like that move. It, it may not be the strongest chorus on this record or, or, or anything, but... I like the intentionality of it. It I think, feels very like ethereal. Yeah. And it's it's not something that you would typically hear from from them. It's honestly it's something that's I think a little bit more into uh an angels and airwaves sort of space rocky type of place. Yeah, I wouldn't have normally made that connection, but I think you're right. I mean Tom is on the brain. Tom's always on the brain for me. Justice for Tom. Um I believe you. But the I've, I really like Derek's playing on this song. Oh, it's I, so good. I think this highlights a lot of what I like about him, which is unlike a lot of drummers of his ilk, which I think could just kind of pull back and do the same thing there. He's doing a lot of different, you know, flavors in this. I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of moments where he'll do something for like a bar or two where I'm like, oh, that's really nice. I like that. It feels like, feels like you are kind of trying to accent certain things. You aren't just laying back especially in a song that is a little more low-key. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's almost like two bridges kind of happening back-to-back. Right. 
there's there's a lot of interesting decisions there's there's really not like a part of this song that just carries forth to the end like you're used to Mm -hmm. it's like they never get too comfortable with anything the chorus changes the tempo and yeah there's two bridges that kind of you know it's the same thing but we're gonna just make distinct changes here so that this song really takes a long time but there are so many different changes that happen and I appreciate that. No, I do too. And I think there's a little bit of like, I, I would say maybe the only thing I really, I, I won't even say dislike, but I think the only thing in a song that otherwise feels like is very intentional and has a lot of very deliberate and unique decisions being made is that I think the woes are a little cheap, a little, yeah. little tacked on. I mm-hmm. think they kind of naturally get to there with how Skiba's putting it together, but I wish there was something else kind of happening there. Um, but that's really the only, in terms of musical ideas, even if they aren't all perfect, they're all engaging. They're, it leaves me kind of sitting there going, what's going to come next? What right. are they going to build to? And I think I have a, a reaction when the choruses come in a little bit low down and I'm like, not really feeling it. But then it picks back up and you see that that was purposeful. Yeah. Um, It's such a weird document it's so strange um have you watched the fire island documentaries yes, yes I did have. you watch them both i've now seen both yes. okay i've only seen the netflix one um i mean they're two sides of a similar coin right it's it's i know that it, then the hulu is a little bit more of a background story on billy correct yeah yeah who's kind of just like lifetime rich kid shyster is basically the only way i could describe him shyster yeah why not is that like cool? Is it bad? I think that that's a Jewish oh, it connotation. Is? Huh. I think it sounds like it. Huh. I don't know. Well, I mean, let's sorry my, not to let's leave my slur in the podcast. Well, I you know I think that we're all learning, right? Yes. And and I'm not. I'm gonna I, look I, it I up. feel I feel a little like you know I don't want to put myself on like a you know platform of of of. Uh, wokeness or anything like that but I don't I don't know where that comes from to me it feels like it's a little Jewish uh, money slur I'm looking it know. up uh-huh various false etymologies have suggested an anti-semitic origin possibly associated with the character of Shylock from Shakespeare's The Merchant of Venice but there is no clear evidence for this one source asserts that the term originated in Philadelphia in 1843 as a disreputable attorney named Shuckster. Ah. A book published in 2013 traces the first use back to 1843 when scammers in New York City would exploit prisoners by pretending to be lawyers. These scammers were disparagingly referred to as shizers, meaning worthless people in British slang, which in turn was originally derived from German Scheiber, literally shitter. Whoa. This is fascinating. That is fascinating. Apparently, it's usually reserved for use against lawyers. Oh, okay. Huh. Well, good to know. Good to know. We're learning together. We're we're all learning together. I mean, hey, no, fucking, if I say shit like that, tell me. Yo, for real. I I think Uh, I'm fine with that. That's the best way to handle it. And I would rather learn. Yes. Um, Always. Like people who say, I don't understand. I can't, I, what can I, you can't say anything anymore. Just don't be a dick. No, just fucking acknowledge it. Uh Like, go, go, Bordello, the, you know, 
where you shouldn't say punks. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> which a lot of people don't know. Uh, anyway. Yeah. That I, I feel like I've told yeah, many people yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand people being mad about it, but, yes. you know. So, a lot of people well, don't like, The term gypsy is, yes. is negative. It's, it's very bad. negative. And the term gypped comes is, from that. So, which I, a lot of people don't know. Yes. Anyway, we learned something together. I'll probably still refrain from saying it just because it feels weird. No. Bump it. But anyway, dude's a scumbag. Absolute scumbag. Yuppie scumbag. And I think we're we're living through a weird point in time right now where I think we're seeing the rise of that type of person. Yes. You know, kind of like slimy dude here. Like, I don't know what he does for work, but he has a lot of money. Right. And is just always like talking about new business ventures, which always sound fake, but are real. He's younger than you. I know. Fucking mm. wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also old and should just die. No. But anyway. No. Anyway. Um. Yeah, I feel like this is such a fucking weird thing to see a song about. It makes perfect sense because it is something where Skeeva is directly involved Mm -hmm. to a certain degree, which is just weird to think about. Like, it's weird for me to think about Matt Skiba as guy who shows up on TMZ talking about a botched festival that Ja Rule helped put on. It's so strange. But here we are. Right. And it's, I think... um interesting too when you think about the canon if this had happened in 2010 matt's kind of yeah mindset and writing at that time like this would feel like something that couldn't be an alkaline trio song like it wouldn't no. be allowed this is the most kind of self-aware and i don't know if i don't know if meta is really the yeah. The term here, but it's 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 an awareness that we all know comes from Matt's experience that isn't heartache or yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Well, it's this song splits a difference in a weird way. One, I think one of my complaints for a long time is Matt Skiba not singing about things he actually experienced, which he is doing here. Mm-hmm. So cool, but it's also kind of like an entry in the Skiba files. Where, like, yes. normally he's just singing about shit like this if it has not happened to him and he's right. read about it. But now he's directly involved. And uh-huh. that adds an interesting wrinkle to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like oh, uh, the <laughs> you think about it in terms of, like, if Charles Manson uh, put on a music festival in, in 1968, then Matt would definitely have a song yeah, about no, that. Yeah, no, exactly, right? exactly. And, like, that's what's so freaking weird about this to me is just that, like, he kind of was there. He did have, and, and his perspective did on it. Did they go down? Blink-182 came down and saw it? Is that, am I remembering that correctly? Uh, they, they, I think they were the first to publicly cancel. Yes. So I don't know if they were there, or I don't know the full chronology, but mm-hmm. from my understanding is they caught wind that it was going to be a clusterfuck and pulled out before I think anyone else really did. Yeah. So clearly they had, so, they caught some whiff of something. And... What's really interesting about all that to me is that, like, it sh- the song really shows that Skiba had a perspective about the people who were there, you know, and kind of the whole thing, which makes me wonder whether or not they had any awareness of what this was going into it, or if this was just one of the many festivals that Blink-182 plays in a calendar year, you know? Right, and Be- that's that's what they do now. Yeah, that's all they do now. And granted... 
you know, they're about to fucking go on tour with Lil Wayne and then play all of Enema of the State. They're, they're in a weird place. It's so strange. Uh, and I mean, I, I love Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne mm-hmm. has made uh, one of my favorite rap records of all time. Carter 3 will mm-hmm. always be a top five hip hop record for me. Um, and I know that he's kind of a joke, but I also, um, that's a whole nother that's a different thing yeah yeah he's he's there's a i worry about lil wayne a lot more than i think people uh that aren't me do (laughs) yeah i i mean he was really good and then had has had a lot happen uh including doing this weird live mashup of a million uh what's my age again strange times we live in where do you think this is what this episode, this podcast is going to be. So it's yeah. speculating, I think. Where's Matt on that process? That is obviously not, I don't think he's consulted in really much of any way. Mm-hmm. But does he say, cool? Or is he just like, and whatever as long as you're paying me i think that that's a really really interesting kind of thing to my gut on my gut says the former i think just because he's living a life that is so beyond what i think anyone expected himself included that he's just like oh working with lil wayne sure touring with lil wayne sure Mm -hmm. we're gonna do this thing cool we're gonna like go to this award show whatever we're gonna fucking do a weird version of this song for a commercial? Sure. Like, I think he's just totally like, I've never had this experience before. What's he making? Good money. Six figures? Seven? Easy. I mean... What's his yearly take on being in Blink-182? He probably makes like $3 million a year, right? Yeah, I would say easily. Yeah. I think his his stock has increased dramatically in the past three years, uh-huh. which, hey, God bless, you know, but he's definitely, even if even if he's not making millions on top of millions, the band certainly is. But do you think it's like, you know, Green Day has had a guy playing guitar yeah. in their band for years. That guy probably has a contract. It's all, he knows what he's making. Nobody asks him anything. They don't have to. Mm -hmm. Is it like that? Or is there? I I think, so here's my, uh, here's the thing is, I think Matt's, I think Matt's doing better than someone in that situation because he's clearly doing a lot of heavy lifting. If you listen to California, don't, it's bad. But even if you listen to that new song, um, blame it on my youth or whatever he's singing almost all of the song like mark hoppus is coming in singing like two lines and then that just does the rest Mm -hmm. so even if we're talking about this not from a touring standpoint from a publishing standpoint and like points on the record right he's gonna do very very well yeah 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 you know if he gets kicked out of Blink-182 tomorrow, the fact that California was a number one record... And he's, fa- ma- he's, he's just going to be getting checks for that for the rest of his life. Yeah. So, like, regardless of what happens, you know, they're going to put out another record together soon. He's getting that money. You know? He gets to say he 
wrote a number one record. Yeah. You know, he's in a place where not many people get to say that. And, you know, knowing what I know from their numbers, just in terms of merchandise on random touring stops they've done, they're doing just fine. And I can speak to the fact that, like, he's he's given all the same things that all the other members are getting. Mm-hmm. Um, At least in that aspect. I wonder what his touring contract looks like. Yeah. I mean, from what I've heard, you know, this is all uh, secondhand. Mm-hmm. But I think he's pretty well ridden into the thing. Yeah. I do believe that. Is he getting, if, if we were to say, obviously, Blink-22 as an LLC, which they are, you know, maybe, you know, Mark, Travis, they aren't getting 33%, you know, because they have management and lawyers right, and accounts yeah. and, you know, and labels. So it all breaks down, right? But let's say, let's say conservatively, there's 75% left. Mm-hmm. Is that going 25 Mark, 25 Travis, 25 Matt? Probably not. My gut would say it's something like, you know, probably 20 to Mark, 20 to Travis, 20 to Tom, 10 to Matt. (laughs) You know, I think there's I think there's probably a world in which there's no way this band is happening under the name Blink-182 if Tom isn't still getting paid to. Oh, absolutely. So my point is, I think everyone's doing fine financially. And they're like. That bridge is not, it's not like it's been completely mended, but, uh, with, with Tom, but it's better than it was five years ago. Yeah. And I do think this is ultimately all play for eventually Tom to rejoin and whatever. Matt's going to be in a place where ideally if he's smart with all this, he's not going to have to worry about money ever again. But. Right. Matt's Matt. Um, that blame it on my youth has five million plays on Spotify. Yeah, that's really low for what they are. I mean, that Taylor Swift song with the fucking oh, well. turd from Panic at the Disco. Yeah, that's a hundred and sixty million. That's not shocking to me. Yeah, um, five million is definitely low. I I think that song didn't really get the same push out of the gate. That kind of quietly came out, I think. It also almost just sounds like a 21 Pilots song. It's Um, so fucking bad. This song I prefer to California because it's like, at least if you're going to completely process the shit out of it, make it sound not like a garbage rock song, so whatever. But I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's very Matt-driven, and I think if you look at set list if you look at the songs they play in shows like mark's voice isn't holding up i think those songs are largely written outside of his register and you can hear him straining um it's so it's just a bummer it's with sad. mark it's like sad. it's i i uh, i feel like his his stock has it's, it's in terms of like a writer and performer it's been fucking going down since since you were 12 well i you know so there's this thing on YouTube that I found about a year ago and I watched randomly because I was like, I was already having my feelings about Mark as a uh, songwriter and it's him and Mike Shinoda of Lincoln park. And they're like writing a song together in front of a fucking crowd. 
it's like this weird, like, I don't know if it was Google or Facebook or something, but it's something about creativity, right? And it's the two of them, and they're like, we just got together and tried to work on the song. And so, dude from Linkin Park's like, oh, well, I came up with all these key things and this vocal melody. Is he the and rapper? Like, yeah. Yeah, okay. And he's like, here's uh, some loops and some beats I put together. And then Mark just does a literally like the first three chords you ever play when you're first writing a song. Oh, my God. And can't hit the notes he's trying to sing. And it's just like, you don't give a fuck, man. Like, you're just. Yeah. You may be like being on stage in front of people, but you aren't really trying. And you can see how much like it would. It, it's weird to have Matt Skiba come in, replace Tom, and then have a set list that's heavy on Tom songs. Mm-hmm. But look at where we are. Yeah. Um. And honestly, Matt would be a better replacement for Mark because their vocal register is much closer. Um. Yeah, but he doesn't wear shorts that are that big. Yeah. Um. But he wears a lot of embarrassing clothes now. I. It, it's interesting, I think, looking at at Blink and looking at the business acumen that has been there from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. Um, the idea that they're getting famous and just wearing Hurley clothes the entire time. Like, that felt weird to me when I was in eighth grade. And they had a Hurley sponsorship or whatever. Yeah, the and then a clothing company and, like, all of this, like, weird shit. And I, I don't... I've got a lot of uh, I got a lot of love for Mark Hoppus, but yeah, Mark yeah. Hoppus is a is a businessman. I mean, the fact that they called their website loserkids.com and it was a Blink One Eight Two website where you could also buy like CDs from other bands and like clothing and shit. I never knew that. Yeah, like Holy that was a shit. Like they they were always on that hustle. Mm-hmm. So hey, fucking God bless. Yeah, but I think we're seeing the the saddest manifestation of that now right yeah, like totally. i i find 20th anniversary tours are what they are but it's it's always kind of a bummer mm-hmm. it's um, fucking stupid i i i yeah, the, the whole culture and and fire festival i think is the ultimate manifestation of festival and anniversary culture which i know i know those are two pretty separate things but it's been interesting to watch the past 10 years of of music especially music with guitars be completely driven by reunions and nostalgia yeah and i fucking bought a ticket to see the replacements the moment it came out and i'm mad that i'm not seeing a veil but fucking look at like pavements back again. No, they it's all... already reunited, and and Blink is just the headline of of all of this shit. And here you have just really the the you know the ultimate. The train has completely gone off the rails, and now you got yuppie scum who is just defrauding people out of millions of dollars yeah yeah and i mean i think that's that's such an interesting thing because like it's weird to watch someone like matt who 2003 singing we've had enough right now singing about like fire festival which with he was intimately involved and like again i don't fault the dude for like if 
Mark Hoppus had called me and was like, hey, do you want to replace Tom in Blink-182? I'd be like, yeah, sure, fuck it. Like, if if the requirements are a white guy with a guitar, sure. Yeah, fine. And I, and I think that we have we have enough of an understanding of how fucking works to look at what Matt's doing and just be happy for him. No, yeah, yeah. There's like not a single part of me that finds any fault in it. And even, you know, the, the artistic compromises that come with it. Fucking dude, get paid. No, totally. So like, I'm with all that. It's just so weird to be like, the only two songs they've ever really written that have at all addressed like the music industry or even like anything resembling like political philosophy kind of come out in those two spots mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Yeah. Like not that they were apolitical. Right. But it's, it's interesting. Cause I think having a song about how the radio sucks is it's not like he's, picking out the fact that uh he really doesn't like the the rap rock thing and he thinks that fred durst is a is a bad thing for rock music yeah it's more just like fuck yeah i'm gonna write a i'm gonna write a fucking anthem yeah and it's like uh, maybe this is inspired by a clear channel thing or some bullshit whatever like stuff that Mm -hmm. sounds incredibly dated to say in the present but yeah it's you know he's singing about on goodbye fire island like directly entitlement and like waste and human waste and like you know like just like corporate disinterest and fraud and like all these things that are like pretty fucked yeah and like ongoing and just a part of our world so it's like this song does give me that view of like all right you're not completely disconnected from reality you may love motorcycles and fucking reading in cold blood for the 12th time like whatever yo don't you talk badly about In Cold Blood in this studio. I love In Cold Blood, but he's literally been posting about it every day on Instagram for the past week. Perry. Perry. Um, so, you know, that's that's cool. But well, Word up to Phil Seymour Hoffman. Yes. I miss him so much. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's It's just an odd thing. It's an odd thing to have as a document of a very specific time. And I wonder how we're going to look on look at this song in 10 years. I think that it's what he has to say about it to me reflects an understanding that he didn't just go to an event that exists on an island. Mm-hmm. Quote marks. Yes. Um, he sees it for what he is, what it is, and he yeah. sees it as as a representation of of a vapidness in culture, and also this like new wave of entitlement and where this is all leading us, mm-hmm. and the amount of literal garbage that comes at the expense of something that only exists on your screen. Mm-hmm. and the effects of that and and the disconnect that is kind of just how things are going yeah i mean i the line that jumps out to me and it's probably just tossed off but every time i hear it is it's basically the second line of the song where he's saying like piece of me is set alight right mm-hmm. 
And it just makes me think he's more self-aware than I'm giving him credit. I think yeah. he's aware of his place within it and the things that he has maybe given up in order to get to a place where he's afforded certain opportunities, financial or otherwise. I It's so interesting I, to consider that disconnect that is just kind of inevitable for yeah. people that are in a position where you go to an island to play a 45 minute set yep. for people who paid thousands of dollars to go. Mm-hmm. Um, his own feeling of, of guilt within that and, and responsibility. Um, yeah, it's, it's very real. And I think that he's wrestling with that and it is, reassuring i think because i think that matt is is a person who we're we are tied to for life yeah in terms of not only somebody who expressed how shitty life can be or how great life can be yeah or just put it into terms that helped us. Yeah. He, he's a part of, he's a part of a movement. He's a part of an ethical thing. Mm-hmm. And like my, my punk ethos, I hope never dies. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever want to, to look at, um, at my life and and not think about being in a room with people and the community. Yeah. And, you know, people got real mad about the cop thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if Matt Skiba was like a blood hungry Republican, that would hurt. Yeah. Really bad. And that, moment of of self-awareness and and understanding that you're maybe a part of something not to say that he doesn't not to say that he should find fault to an extent that he feels like he shouldn't be doing it anymore yeah there's a like it's not like that it's just like that's reassuring i think i i mean i think i think yeah i think he's him being as outspoken as he has been about like animal rights and work towards that type of stuff, doing the plea for peace store, being on the rock against Bush comps. I don't think he is. I don't think he's a right wing, uh, jag off. No. And I, but right. He's misstepped Mm -hmm. and, and and that's fine. We all do. I did earlier on this podcast. We took, we discussed it at length. Um, (laughs) So, like, it's about what you do with that. I do think there has been, with the cop thing, I think he's just naive. And I think he hasn't had an experience with police officers in any negative way because he's just being moved through rich people places by venue security and police officers and has been for five years. And his his interactions with cops have probably been cops that are fans of his music and want to tell him that and um i just i i find a lot of 
I just find a lot of power in in that line that you point out. You know mm. that a piece of me has has been set alight because it's you're never not part of something that yes. is negative. Yes, and always knowing that and always being aware of that is is at the very least what we can all do. And you know, going back to the, it's funny that we had this conversation about like uh about words and and Mm -hmm. conscious language there's a line for me and it's it's a refusal to acknowledge wrongdoing and there's an ability to say oh hmm what's my place in this here Mm -hmm. that's it that's it yeah i never want to be on the other side of that and i think that people like matt being able to show that they are on that side of things like all things considered it's it's important yeah it's good and it, it's yeah it, it shows some self-awareness that i think to me it felt sorely lacking for a long time and maybe it's just me reading too much into it but there's that like faint whiff of it there where i'm like oh like i think you have i think you still have that understanding i, I still think you have that in you and maybe it's not manifesting daily or in a lot of your work, but seeing a flicker of it is just like, okay, I, I, I think you're still on the level. And I, I think your impulse to want to write a song like this speaks to that a little bit. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like is this thing cursed had a lot of different aspects of that. And that's why it felt so good to yeah. see that he's on a level and uh, getting, pushing himself creatively and and working with the band again and all of those things brought a lot of fulfillment and and helped kind of process uh the decade that preceded oh yeah yeah absolutely um what do you rate this song um i'm gonna give it three out of five i'm going three out of five as well we uh said that this was just gonna go and we, yeah we boy did. it sure did now didn't it yeah uh identity politics and uh reunion culture and all of these things uh hope you all enjoyed it i had a damn good time david's looking at his phone so uh, you know i'm a busy man we've been here a long time it's been a day we have taken in so much methane during these past this three dog, episodes, dude. Chloe, I love you so much. We got to get something, uh, get something different in your belly, or you just got to stop stressing out, my girl. I know she misses you. Um, hey, and I missed you too. I hadn't seen you in a little bit, mm-hmm. and it was nice to get together, have mm. a good time, do the thing. Like little peek behind the curtain here. These past three episodes we also put a patreon episode uh and what will be a couple weeks from when you're hearing this but we just had a nice sunday together yes it was good good overdue good to catch up good to spend some time nice to nice to not have to rush Mm -hmm. and uh i got fast six on the horizon i can't freaking wait we hope that all you out there are telling your friends about this show Please. and subscribing 
and rating. Oh my goodness. And uh, we invite you to go on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. You can listen to the hour and a half that we just recorded. Yes. Mailbag questions. We had a really good run on a couple of those. Oh, yes, we sure did. Got some swag that is on the way. Or maybe when this is coming out, it's here. Maybe it's on. Maybe it's on the way to our Patreon. To you, to those who have pledged over at Patreon.com/slash As You Were. We will be back next week with another edition, another song to talk about. Oh, a Patreon poll. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for that one. Maybe you can help us decide what we talk about next week. We'll see you either way. Thanks, please. Watch the sun.